How can I help you? Um, just tell me about your experience. Anything at all, Hugo. I'll tell you some astounding stuff. Sure. Number one, I was brought up and raised in uh, Missouri in the Midwest. And uh, in the 50s, things were a little tough. But if you got out of school in the summertime, it, it was almost impossible to find a job or anything like that. So um, I graduated early from school, from high school. Yes. Mm-hmm. I gr- at, uh, at the age of uh, 16, or almost 16. My birthday's in April. And uh, I joined the Navy. I had to falsify my identification and my father's signature to get in, but uh, I was a pretty, pretty clever uh, uh, person at that time for my age and everything, and uh, got, got accepted. And uh, wound up uh, going to recruit training in San Diego uh, you know, before, uh, you know, at 16 years old. Uh, later on, I, I was to find out that I wasn't the only one. There was quite a few of them. But uh, you're starting out a life, you know, uh, 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 as, as an adolescent, really. So that's the first part of it. And the Navy trained me uh, in uh, recruit training and then sent me aboard a ship uh, uh, to work and maintain the ship. Have any questions or anything? No, I'm just no? Um, The ship I was on, if there were levels of really great ships, you know, the best ship you could ever get onto was an aircraft carrier or a battleship or a cruiser or something like that. And then it started going down, 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 down. I was at rock bottom. The ship that I... Uh, was sent to, it was called the USS Summit County. It was a LST, a tank landing ship that was built during World War II for the purpose of landing troops and material on a beach or something like that. It's a flat bottom ship. Uh, it looked kind of weird, uh, but it could run up on a, a sandy beach, a big ship and open bow doors like that, and troops and, and material tanks, trucks, everything like that could be disgorged and go, you know, go on and do what they do. So that was the ship that I was on. And they decided, because I had some minor mechanical background, that I should be in the engineering department of the ship. That part was pretty bad because it's down on the bowels of the ship with the engines that drive the ship and make the electricity and do all that kind of stuff. Very dirty. <laughs> smelled, smelled always of diesel oil and you can imagine like that. Um, and uh, that, that's where I spent the first two years of my enlistment. Um, ship traveled quite a bit. I made a, uh, the first big voyage was shortly after I got on the ship. Uh, I went on the ship in August of 1958, and in October we set sail from Long Beach, 
out from Long Beach, California, to Japan. Not only was this the lowest tier of ship, it was the slowest ship in the world. And we went to, to go from Long Beach, California, to Yokosuka, Japan, was 32 days at eight miles an hour. Wow. <laughs> so there was a lot of time in, in route, you know. Uh, the first trip to Japan was uh, phenomenal. I, I'd never really been too much out of the Midwestern United States, and I got to see all this stuff that uh, young people only dream of, you know. Do you remember why you went to Japan for that in the 50s? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, we were part of a great, huge action that was taking place then to show the world what the U.S. Navy was about. And it was about people, people meeting people. Before we got to Japan, we stopped for two weeks in Hawaii. And there was a lot of people that wanted to be moved from one island to the other. Well, it doesn't sound like much of a deal, but if you're taking all your household and all of your farm animals and everything, and our ship turned out to be the best mode of doing that. So to go from Oahu to Kauai and a new homestead for these people, you could load everything on, have the goats and the sheep and the cows and the tank, and when you get there, drive like a wagon train, just drive them off and they could go to their uh, place to build their house and so on and so forth. So it, that was a, a, you know, a, a really interesting part of part of my first uh, part of my first uh, uh, Navy experience. Uh, we did that for a few weeks. I can't rem recall exactly how long, but the Hawaiian people at that time, and mostly were uh, Japanese Im immigrants, uh, they always brought presents for us when they come aboard the ship. Pineapples and all kinds of different exotic fruits and stuff like that. So it was a lot, a lot of fun. Then we got underway back to, um, on our way to Japan. When we got to Japan, um, the ship was scheduled to be uh, put into a repair facility and upgraded and renewed uh, an overhaul. And this is one of the most interesting parts of my, my whole time in the, in the Navy. We went into this uh, a ship or this facility, overhaul facility in Yokosuka, Japan. You can look up on a map where it's at, but it's still uh, very active today. They build ships and they overhaul them. And um, the people who lived on the ship, all the hundred sailors that lived on the ship, had to get off and either go to a situation where you're living in a barracks or like a dormitory, or you could take a a, a daily um, called a per diem and live on your own. You could rent an apartment. In the engine room, I had a good, uh, one of the people who was working on the engines 
and was very, very adept, uh, invited me to uh, come and live with his family. And here I am. You gotta remember, just a 16 year old boy. <laughs> and I, I agreed to do it. I can't remember what the daily pay was. It's like $9 or something like that for what you'd call room and board. But it was in a, a Japanese household about the size of this room of, uh, and four of them, man, wife, and a boy that was about nine years old and a girl that was probably 12 or 13 years old. And they were delightful. They were wonderful, wonderful, courteous, kind people. This is shortly after the rebuild of World War II. Things were rather chaotic. Uh, not a lot of really what you would call permanent housing. And it was a joke among the sailors that if the husband ever got mad at you, just take off running and you'd roll, run through the paper walls <laughs> and be able to get away because they were literally, you know, built in that fashion. Uh, the family treated me like royalty and uh, the first experience of true, truly being in, indulged in the Japanese lifestyle for about, if I remember correctly, I think it was about four months. He and I would go walk the short distance of where the ship was under uh, construction and work all day and then go home. Kind of like father or man and his brother or father and son. And uh, neither, he could not speak a word of English. So all that time uh, living with that family, there was very few. The children had a, a, a tiny bit of English and they could make things understood to the parents. Yeah. It was a wonderful time. And I really hated to leave. In fact, of the 100 people that were on this ship, the day that they set sail, 12 of them didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> they stayed? Because, yeah, they stayed in, stayed in Japan. They were later reunited with the ship when we got, oh, okay. when we came from Japan back to, to Hawaii. And yeah, they all came back. But they, why, they all, why you mentioned about the food? You, you could you bring food from the ship and share with the The ship people? was under uh, repair throughout. And on a ship, when you go, you can imagine going for 30 days on a big old iron monstrosity. Uh, you had to have enough food, three meals a day, and for all of these people. So they had uh, the back section of the Fantasia area of the ship. They had freezers, and they had all kinds of, you know, frozen food. Uh, most of it had been in the freezer for many years. <laughs> so they put out a call when we got in there. They said. We're going to overhaul the the refrigeration system. Any of you that want any of the the food, uh, you know, come and get it. So of course I was a scrounger. I loved to go in and get all this kind of stuff. And we had these what, what we used to call a, a well, just a blue bag. And we'd go down and fill the bag up with with uh, with uh, frozen meat which was, at that time in Japan, was a very big delicacy. 
like chops up chops uh pork chops and steaks and all kinds of just you know great chunks yeah, of meat they don't have much meat in japan in those days so you'd take the bag and you'd walk down the street and you'd start thawing out and blood was <laughs> <laughs> but you get to there the people in in the locale where i were at was that they um they didn't have any problem at all dividing the meat. I don't know if that could happen today. I mean, there was no, oh, I want that. That's that's a, a, a prime piece of meat. They stood back and cut everything up and gave everybody a few. And, and there would be, what I would take there, there might be 10 or 12 families that shared in it. Because even so that they had this meat, they only used a tiny portion of it for a, a meal. And and uh, they have ways of preserving it. It's quite interesting for, uh, for a kid that, like me, who had been brought up on a farm and knew how to process and uh, from my family, process the meat, so. Excuse me, would you like some ice water? No, I'm okay, thank you so much. How about some beer? <laughs> Are you? Uh... <laughs> Have you traveled? Have you gone to? Um, so I actually moved from, this is, uh, I moved from Dubai. From Dubai? Yeah. Oh my God. This is our first no. year in San Diego, yeah. We haven't been to Dubai yet. No, we yeah. haven't. No. Probably in the next couple of years we'll go. Yeah. Was that your home? Uh, yeah, I was born in Abu Dhabi and then Abu Dhabi. I was raised in Dubai. Yeah. I love to just say that. Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's quite a change. Well, yeah. it's hotter over there. Mm, it's a lot hotter. Yeah. You enjoying it here? Yeah, it's nice. I like the weather. Yeah, mm -hmm. the weather's wonderful. Have you tried the uh, the beach and surfing yet? Uh, I surf because I came here. I went to Los Angeles last year, uh -huh. but uh, I haven't like been to the beach much this year because uh -huh. of COVID and stuff. Uh -huh. What's uh, wh what year are you in in school? Uh, I'm a sophomore. Sophomore. Mm -hmm. My two good friends live down at the very end of the of the block. Uh, they're twins, uh, Aramita's children. I don't. They don't start in September, right? Yeah, but uh, they graduated from school here. They high school. High school. Yeah, and they, they start, don't start university across the street. Uh, they've taken up surfing. They have a car, and you need to get to know them. <laughs> They'll teach you how to do it. Could you talk a little bit more about your experience within San Diego? I think that's like kind in of in San Diego. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. I I don't have I have a RV down in Mexico, but I've got the books and stuff down there. I'd love to be able to show you the uh, the actual yearbook of when I went to school or went to uh, boot camp in in San Diego in 1958. And it has pictures of the city and so much beautiful history in that one little tiny book. Uh, I'll be going down there in the next few days and I'll bring it back. Um, it was a shock. Uh, we were brought into San Diego for recruit training to learn how to be in the Navy. Uh, they wanted to get rid of all your civilian thoughts and turn you into a sailor. Uh, you weren't allowed to go outside of the gate for many, many, many weeks. I can't remember exactly. I think it was eight or nine weeks of concentrated training before they ever allowed you to 
take what they call liberty or have permission to go outside of the gate and go into the city. And of course, we all look forward to that. There's no doubt about it. San Diego at that time was not a very big city. It was just really comprised of the downtown area, uh, Market Street, Fifth Avenue. There was four or five intersecting places down there that was strictly trying to separate the sailor from his money. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was quite wild. I mean, you, you couldn't walk 10 paces without a hustler coming out trying to sell you a watch or a ring and all this kind of stuff. But uh, there was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of uh, areas that were declared uh, off limits or you shouldn't go there. Uh, La Jolla. Don't go to La Jolla. Uh, um, you could uh, go to Imperial Beach, but you couldn't go to Coronado. Coronado was uh, uh, a, 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 a Navy jewel. And uh, uh, of course, none of us did. We were told not to do it. You didn't do it. Um, the, uh, the city itself, in some ways was tolerant of the Navy. But let me tell you a, a secret that I haven't told too many people. In walking through a different, and walking through an area of downtown San Diego, walking away from the city's area into the residential area, I came upon a, a very nice little house, little bungalow set back, beautiful lawn and everything. There's a there's a sign on the on a, on a lawn. It said, "Sailors and dogs stay off the grass," which at the time I think I thought it was funny, but it was really a you know a very nasty thing to do. Uh, Nate. The San Diego area was dependent on the military, the Marine Corps and the Navy. And uh, some of that stuff did not set well. Uh, nothing you could do but pass it on to other people. How do you think you have in your lifetime, through the Navy or not, positively impacted San Diego? If at all? Positively impacted. Or generally impacted, just... How do you think you've changed the city? Personally, you mean? Personally, yeah. through the Navy? Yeah. I think the Navy has persevered. It's been a good force. I think the Marine Corps has done as much or better. Uh, they have all grown and become, you know, everybody revels around the SEAL operation of the Navy, which was designed and made available through uh, amphibious forces in Coronado. And it's produced a lot of very, very good results, as we know. Uh, Navy aviation has done wonders uh, in and around San Diego. Not only did, uh, uh, you know, it blossom here from the early 50s on, but uh, it uh, made a lot of uh, manufacturing possible. Uh, I think the, the Navy 
and Marine Corps really, really added to the uh, overall economic condition of San Diego. And it would have never been anything like this without it. Um, it has probably one of the best deep water ports in the world where an actual aircraft carrier can sail into the thing with a, you know, a draft or the amount of water it places uh, 50, 75 feet underneath the keel of it. Um, and they've, they've set up good uh, repair and uh, uh, shipbuilding facilities here because of it. I think the Navy's done a tremendous job in, in uh, boistering up the uh, 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 the city of San Diego. They owe them a lot. The city owes the Navy a lot. So after you finished your, um, so how long did you serve in the Navy? Eleven years. Eleven years. Uh huh. So uh, what did you do after that? Were you in San Diego? Where did you go? What did you do? I told you about the first two years of the Navy, and then things took a drastic change for me. Uh, I had been working on the ship and down in the engine room and uh, doing what I could do. And one day I came up and they had on, a, with every ship has what they call the plan of the day. They put out a one-page memo, you know what we call it, tack it on a building board next to the ship's water fountain, the most important place in the whole, the scuttlebutt, they called it. And I looked on there and they said, needed pilots. Navy's requesting um, uh, young people with a certain score on uh, math, mechanics, and uh, general knowledge uh, to apply for pilot training if they'd like to become a pilot. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Anything to get out of the engine room of the ship. So I applied. I didn't, uh, just a one-page thing. You had to get your division officer to sign it, and uh, which he did, and uh, with a good recommendation. And uh, I had enough. I had enough of the, the scoring to qualify. And uh, uh, three months, about two or three months later, I can't recall exactly. I got a call. It says, "Pack your bags. You're going to Florida." And I was at that point enrolled in flight training. And uh, for the next seven years, that's what I did. I flew uh, for the Navy. And it was uh, quite an experience, really something to, to come from that. I'll call it a humble background, but, uh, you know, there's tens of thousands of young sailors that served on top of decks and down below decks and stuff like that. I was lucky enough to get out of that and get into something that uh, was, was really a lot of fun. So you said you trained in Florida. Were you stationed there or pre-stationed? Um, was I trained for what? You said you were trained in Florida, correct? I started training in Florida. Um, I went to Florida and was told that, you know, this is your uh, base of training, but first we have to send you to a officer candidate school because it's very important that the Navy 
have officers who know how to conduct themselves. And a lot of us, guys from Texas and Oklahoma, Iowa, Pennsylvania came there and we didn't know how to hold a fork. We could not uh, uh, comport ourselves properly at a table with, for instance, if there were young women there or, or uh, commissioned officers that would. So uh, we went to this, uh, what we call officer candidate. You're, you're a candidate to be an officer, but you've got to prove yourself first. And we had to learn how, how to do that. I was very fortunate. My mother had been taught by her mother all of the necessities of, of, uh, of uh, how to eat a pork chop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got along quite well. But there are some boys and girls, or men, who could not grasp a fork properly. <laughs> they could only do it in a closed club fist, fist fashion. Uh, got getting out of there. Then you became, uh, you had a certificate, and I have it somewhere in my collection, that that uh, I had been uh, designated an officer and a gentleman. So you become a lieutenant or what? An ensign. Oh, okay. I did not become an ensign because I had prior service. Uh, so I was became a lieutenant junior grade, they said, but not until much later. Oh. And first of all, I was just a, a uh, now I went from officer candidate, now I was a pilot candidate, oh. flight officer candidate. So uh, I had to prove myself then to be able to learn how to fly an airplane, which was a challenge. Definitely. So, when did you like finish that um, flight training, and like where did you go after that? The flight training, I think, was about a little over a year, like a year and two or three months or something. There's, you know, many many graduations. Um, there were not that many who applied for this program. It was lacking in a lot. And the Navy, in its wisdom, couldn't decide what to do with us. They wanted, and for a while we did, revert back to a uh, World War II program where they needed pilots desperately. And even if you had one eye and one leg, you could become a pilot if you were young enough. <laughs> and they wanted to call us uh, uh, enlisted pilots. A big difference in any of the military is being enlisted or officer materials, you'll find out. And uh, we didn't see anything wrong with that. Uh, the guys that were part of that, uh, it meant that when I went in, I was designated an E-6, or what they call a first-class petty officer, which is a pretty substantial rate in, in, in the military, E-6. It goes E-1, E-2, E-3, E-4, five, six. So um, I was satisfied with that. And then it came down from above, I forget how, how it happened. No, it's not gonna work that way. 
what we're going to do is make them all officers, and uh, but we'll make them reserve officers. That means we can kick them out any time. <laughs> <laughs> and so they uh, uh, give us a, a reserve commission as uh, Lieutenant JG for me, junior, Lieutenant Junior Grade, which is 02, which is a heck of a long way from E6 as far as I was concerned. But uh, it deserves a that rank deserves a lot of uh, respect, and it was a, a good situation. So where were you stationed um, after flight school? Like what city? My home base after I went through uh, all the school and everything, uh, I went with a, a company or um, a uh, with a uh, squadron up in Brunswick, Maine. Uh, the, the squadron was uh, Patrol Squadron 21. I'll show you something. Can you shut that off for one minute? One second. I gotta that. So from that point, I went to Brunswick, Maine. And uh, between Brunswick, Maine and our secondary uh, home base was uh, in Sicily in the Mediterranean. Uh, we protected the world from Russian submarines. And uh, so you were flying low. You were low flying. Low, low and slow. Yeah. Low and slow. <laughs> yeah. You weren't in the sum. You weren't in the submarine. No, never. <laughs> so um, when you finished your time with the Navy, you came back to San Diego. Or? Uh, the only time I came back. Well, when I was in the military, no, I stayed in, in Maine until 1971. And um, the only time I'd come back to San Diego is if we could make an excuse uh, to uh, bring an airplane over to North Island for repair and overhaul and fly a, one that had been rebuilt back to... So uh, there was a few occasions. Uh, then I got out of the Navy in 1972, officially, and and uh, uh, I didn't come to San Diego. My first uh, home out here was uh, up in San Clemente, and uh, over the years I've kind of stair-stepped down and live in San Diego now. Yeah. Will I mention what happened during the Vietnam War? No, <laughs> that's not part of it. <laughs> Uh, not a whole lot. Um, do you think like you you personally have impacted San Diego or the community of around San Diego in any way? Impacted San Diego. I can't point to any instances where I think I really had much of an effect on the daily life or government or anything like that in San Diego. Um, it's, it's, it's a great place to live. Um, we, we have um, so much going for us that other people don't. So you said you went to San Clemente after you finished your time with the military. What did you do in San Clemente? How did, what, did, like, what did you start as? 
what did you? My experience in aviation led me into business uh, later on that uh, I was able to conduct a, a small business of aircraft and helicopter salvage. I would find planes that had crashed softly and uh, buy them and, and, and part them out like a automobile junkyard, you know. But mine was an airplane and helicopter junkyard. How long did you do that? Oh, for a long time, for about 30 years, yeah. I would say that's helping the community of San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Getting rid of trash uh, in the It was. I, most of the operation was not in San Diego. It was in the Midwest, in Missouri, because uh, so I could send parts out easily or you know around the united states uh it dealt mostly in small airplanes one with a single engine or helicopters with a uh, single engine that uh, um, uh, private contractors used and so on and so forth where did you retrieve the helicopters and the planes from which ocean where where, where did i where did you get like the um crashed helicopters and planes uh I, your every crash of a registered airplane or helicopter or anything of that nature is listed immediately uh, back then on a, on a database that uh, uh, a helicopter Hughes 300C has crashed and uh, sustained so-and-so type damage. And it gives the address and the owner and the insurance company and you can go in and, and bid on it as, you know, go inspect it if you want to. Or, uh, yeah, that's a, a good way of doing it. So you don't feel like you've, have you, do you feel like you've done anything specific? I don't know how long you've lived in San Diego, but do you feel like you've done anything? Maybe more general, but after your time in the military, do you think you've done anything important within the community of San Diego? I, I can't recall anything that has any great importance to the city. Um, uh, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm a typical <laughs> citizen of San Diego. I think um, I don't see anything that, 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 uh, that I've done that really has any impact. And I wish I, wish I could say something, but I, I just don't have any. Pretty modest, maybe. <laughs> I would say so. You were in the military for so long, that's got to be count for something. Um, I loved the military. I, I was really, really what they call a gung-ho sailor and, and loved flying and everything about it. Um, the Vietnam War took that away from me because there was a... Uh, a, a a crash that injured my back and I couldn't fly anymore. The Navy said, nope, no more, that's it, uh, due to some specifications. So uh, I would have stayed in the Navy for 40 years if, or, you know, whatever, however long I could stay uh, had that not happened, but I had to get out and fend for myself. Um, I think, um, I don't know, like I say, I just, 
I wish I had, uh, uh, I had, I, did, I have not been involved in, the, in a great deal of, uh, of uh, structural life within the city. You know, I campaign for people, I vote, I do what I can to, to help people uh, uh, in these situations of getting elected to office that I think can help San Diego. But other than that, that's, a, that's about what I, what I do. What would you like for me to do? <laughs> I mean, I was just curious generally because... Yeah, it sounds like the, the thing you're trying to produce is what's good for San Diego. Mm -hmm. But I think that you've done a lot of great good things for San Diego, especially with your time in the Navy and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that I think that's like the main part of it, and I think that's... It's a good point. Mm -hmm. There's tens of thousands of us of course. that are doing, uh, you know, veterans. Uh, you don't have to retire from the Navy. If you're or the Marine Corps or the Army or the Coast Guard, if you're a, a, a member of, of any past uh, military organization, so much is available to you. Uh, I'm being treated for an illness right now. I don't go to a civilian hospital. I go across the campus over here is the big VA, Veterans Administration Hospital. All of my... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, medicine is, is coming from them. They're taking care of me. They like to say, well, you took care of us, you know, which I guess we did, but unknowingly, most of us were out looking for a good party, <laughs> but it's not true. But, but um, I don't know, I, I, I saw that hospital being built and I was one of the first people to go in and sign up for veterans benefits back in 1972. And it's, it's been there for me this whole time. And there's thousands of us that go there weekly for treatment. Um, the government uh, uh, pays for our, our treatment. Uh, the treatment that I've received uh, would break the bank if I, you know, I've been going there for over a year. Uh, they, they found cancer and they've got it down from a blob down to a little thimble pool of the thing. Uh, it's a wonderful place. They do a good job. I was there today. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a... Uh, um, it's strange that San Diego is not a huge city. You've got San Francisco and you, uh, Los Angeles. They each one have a veterans hospital, but ours is the biggest and the best. And it's uh, probably number in the top 10 of the United States as far as being out there. Uh, if you want some really good interviews, you could talk to people over there. They these old guys love to talk. <laughs> All of us do. If you could put me in contact with some of them, that would be great. I'll talk to a few. Yeah. Ask them if any of them would be interested. I would love to yeah. hear any of them show us. They all have different stories. You never know what their what their specialty was or what they did. Uh, we we 
rarely talk to one another about uh, what happened uh, in the last 50 years, but uh, uh, most of them are willing to, to discuss a lot of it. I don't know how many, uh, my good friend, he's not here now, he said his summer home up in Alaska, uh, Roy Livingston down the area, down here, uh, a strange thing. I was talking about this ugly old horrible ship that I was on for two years. He's the first person in all these years that I've met that was on the same kind of ship. So we've had quite a few conversations about that. He lives at the end of the street. He's a, a very nice man. And he'll be back. I'll, I'll tell him about you when he comes back. Uh, not a lot of people in here are, are uh, have been in the military, very few. I don't think that's really my goal. It's not just people who've been in the military. It's just anyone, maybe somebody started a business in San Diego, maybe somebody's been in the government and politics in San Diego, anyone at all who's helped bring something back to the community of San Diego. Really? Yeah. 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 Something for San Diego. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't know if my, my story really adds too much to that, but there, there are so many independent businessmen and women and here that uh, have good stories to I would, tell. Yeah, I would love to meet them. And I go out every day, twice a day. I know a lot of people because I make them talk to me. I get lonely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff Wolf down the street is a uh, 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 guy's written several books about uh, self-improvement and gives lectures up until the time of COVID but uh, right now he's kind of in a hiatus to things kind of a wonderful young man, not too young, uh, that could give you, I think, some ideas about how San Diego has uh, flourished in his time frame with this uh, thing. Uh, uh, yeah, of course, anyone at all here, close or far, if you could send me their contact information. I'd be happy to. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah, it's going to be an ongoing thing for a year or so. Yeah. Huh? I'm going to. I'm planning on doing it. Hopefully, as long as I can. Have you done this before? It's Is my it? first time. Well, you're my first. You're our first Good. guest. Good. Uh, I think graphics are, is a lot, has a lot to do with it. Um, anybody anymore wants to see a lot of visual stuff, and uh, I'm not that way. I still like the printed word, you know. But uh, like Jeff Wolf, um, the young, uh, man next door is a uh, very well-respected financial consultant and uh, knows uh, the, uh, the stock market inside and out, which I really like. Uh, every, it seems like everyone's got a, got a story. Uh, and... Uh, I like that a lot. That's like the entire goal of our, of my project is that everyone has a story in this community in our, in San Diego. We just need to dive in and really listen to their story, and I think yeah. that's the most important thing. Orrin across the street, owned the city drugstore for sixty years, 
And uh, I mean, he could keep you busy for hours, I think. But he's gone. He just took off for his summer house up in Idaho. But he'll be back, you know, in September and uh, talk to him. Stacy Comitas is uh, a next door neighbor. I don't know if you've met him. He and his wife are lawyers, uh, and he's got some very interesting stories because his specialty was entertainment law. He represented uh, top name entertainers, and uh, he he's a member of the board, and uh, the, uh, would be willing to sit with you and talk with you. I'm sure he's a good man right across the street. So that's just a, a nitpicking of a few. Um, Nicole Wallace down here is a, a woman that has uh, done wonders with the, one of the local schools down here, that uh, 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 the Bishop School, they call it. And uh, uh, she's a professional headhunter. She finds people for high paying jobs. and. It just goes on and on, all kinds of people in here. That this little tiny community—it's just amazing what all we have here. Yeah. So you'd never run out of uh, people to talk to. I would, I would love that. I yeah. would like that. But uh, I'll be happy to introduce you to anyone I know. It sounds like you have a sincere interest. I, I really and be a, a lot of fun too. Yeah. If you could send me emails, contact numbers, phone numbers, whatever, that would be great. That's that's good, yeah. Uh, Anything else? No, taking up too much of your time already. I hope you, it's quite a story, Mike. I would agree. (laughs) But uh, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. That's the main thing about it. It's... uh, So, uh, every night I go to sleep, you know, I think about some of these memories. They're, they're quite wonderful. So, is the battery packed on here? Yeah, my phone is about to die. Yeah, so. that's good. I have one of those. Uh, thank you so much for meeting with me. Well, it's been a pleasure. You're quite welcome. Really quite welcome. I'm so glad you're interested in this. I really it's uh, good for you and good for